All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and open them to the book of James in the New Testament this morning, chapter 4. James chapter 4, that's page number 1309, 1309, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And I'm going to ask you, if you will now, to leave your Bibles open because what we're going to do is we're going to go in just a few minutes, we're going to kind of go verse by verse, almost sentence by sentence, through some of these statements that I'm going to read this morning. And I just want to challenge us this morning as we head off into a brand new year. All right? Now, don't forget... Another good way to start the church service, uh, the New Year's off right, is by being in church tonight. Now, I know I'm talking to some of you right now, and I love you, and I think you love me, but you know you ought to be in church on Sunday night. Now, you know that. And what a great time. All right, why, why don't you say this? You know something? I'm going to come to church every Sunday night this year. Or why don't you start like this? Why don't you start with one a month? You say, Brother Tim, are you serious? More than you're doing now. So why don't you make that first one this tonight and then hit one a month for the first two months and then two a month and then three a month then four a month then five a month then six a month then seven a month until you just kind of get in on every, every one of them, all right? And I want to encourage you to do that, okay? Are you glad you're here this morning? Would you say amen? I'd rather be here than be in any funeral home I know of anywhere. And I'm glad to be in church this morning. All right, James chapter 4. If you're there, would you say Amen. All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. I think we're all aware of this by now, but this past Tuesday evening at 12 o'clock, we entered, all of us entered, into a brand new year. Somebody once said this. Somebody said, every year I look forward to a good show at Times Square, but every year they drop the ball. <laughs> Another said this. Somebody else said this. I love it when they drop the ball because it reminds me of what I did last year. Someone else said this. this is my favorite one. Somebody else said this. New Year's is the time to celebrate that you made it through another Christmas without killing your relatives. Can I have an amen? All right, good. Well, can you believe that we're now 20 years on the other side of the millennium? As of 10.30, now we're one minute past that, but as of 10.30 this morning, we are now 106 hours and 30 minutes into this brand new year. 106 hours and 32 minutes into this brand new year. Can I ask you something? Did you make any resolutions for the new year? And if you did, how are you doing thus far? Now, i got to tell you, I did make some resolutions for the new year, and so far, eh, you know, it's going okay so far. I read about this one lady who said this. Last year, her New Year's resolution was to drop 10 pounds. And this year's resolution, she says she only has 15 more pounds to go. That sounds like one of my resolutions. Somebody else said this. Their New Year's resolution was to quit all the bad things they were doing, but then they were reminded that nobody likes quitters. Is that your resolution for this year? You know, I think everybody in this room probably sees some need in your life to make some changes. And that's what New Year's is really all about. It gives us a great opportunity to make some needed changes in our life because the New Year's is a fresh start. It's a clean state. The New Year's is our chance to do it over again and hopefully this time get it right. 
The top five resolutions for 2020 are these. I'll count them down. Number five, the, uh, the fifth most popular resolution this year was to spend more time with the family. That's a good resolution. Number four was to reduce stress in your life. Somebody please explain how you do that. Number three, to start exercising. Number two, to go on a diet. And the number one resolution for 2020 is this, get out of debt. Now, if you'll explain to me how to get stress out of your life, I'll tell you how to get debt out of your life. I mean, think about that. I, I want you to think back for just a moment to last year. How did you do last year? And I'm talking about spiritual, your spiritual life. How did you do last year? My wife loves the HGTV channel. Now, my favorite channel by far is MeTV, but my wife's favorite channel to watch is, is the HGTV, and you may remember that's the one where they're always building houses or, or doing something along those lines. And one of those programs that comes on that channel that I have watched before is one called Flip or Flop. Have you ever watched that one before? Flip or flop. And what they do is they buy these old run-down houses. Maybe many times they're dilapidated. Many times people have abandoned them. And, and, you know, people have moved in. They've tore holes in the walls. There's rats running around everywhere, cockroaches. I mean, they're really, really dilapidated. So they buy these houses at a reduced price. Then they go in and they totally remodel, uh, remodel these houses. I mean, they turn these houses from old run-down homes into beautiful houses and then they try to sell them and make a killing off of them. You ever watched that program before? And they call it Flip or Flop. Now, if they, if they turn a good one, if they buy a house at a cheap price and they go in and they remodel it, renovate it, make it beautiful, and, and, they, and they make a lot of money off of it, they call that flipping houses. That's the flip part. But there are some times when they go in and they have to buy this house many times before they can even go in it. And then when they get in there, they find out there's foundation problems, there's water problems, there's electrical problems. And by the time that they've got all their money into it, they, you know, barely get their money back out of it, and they call that a flop. A flip, are they going to flip it, make money, or are they going to flop? Can I ask you about your spiritual life last year? Were you a flip or a flop? Did you flip or did you flop? Hey, did you thrive last year spiritually? I mean, man, did, did, did things really go well for you, spiritually speaking, last year? Or did you barely survive spiritually last year? Are you a flip or a flop? Well, I said the New Year's is a new beginning. And although we can't do anything about what happened last year, all of us in here can do something about this year. And I want to show you from the Word of God this morning how to turn your flop into a flip. All right? And if you'll join me this morning in James chapter number 4, I think we find in these verses how to flip your life this year. I mean, do you see some, some room for improvement? I think we all do. Do you see a need for some necessary changes in your life? Have you picked up some bad habits along life's way that you know you need to get rid of? And those things keep pulling you down, weighing you down, and they're making you a flop when God intends for you to be a flip. Well, how do you turn your flop into a flip? Well, this, this morning, I want to read to you how to do this. In fact, can I tell you this? If somebody walked into my office in the morning and their life was totally a wreck, and they said, Preacher, I'm telling you, my life is a wreck. I want to totally turn my life around. You know, I would take them to this text right here because this text tells us 
how to renovate your life. How to remodel your life. Let's read it together. Look at James chapter 4. I want to begin with verse 7. And let me just read a few, a few verses. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, that's a sentence, so let's stop. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Second sentence. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Third sentence. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Fourth sentence. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Look at verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And look at this final sentence, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He, the Lord, shall lift you up. Now, believe it or not, what I've just read to you is how to turn your flop into a flip. Really. If you're, seri if you're dead serious about this, if you sit here this morning and say, Preacher, I've got to tell you, man, I, I blew it last year. I mean, I can't think of one thing spiritually I accomplished in my life last year. I'm telling you, preacher, I was a flop. Well, I will tell you something. God wants you to be a flip. God wants you to succeed in your Christian life. And I want to tell you right here is how to do it. Is your life a mess? Are you a total wreck this morning? Let me tell you how to turn things around from the Word of God. So let's take it now, and I'll do this quickly. It's 1038. Let's take it kind of sentence by sentence. I have, I think I've got five, five things to say from these verses this morning, all right? Do you want to turn your flop into a flip? Number one, look up on the screens. If you want to do that, number one, do this. Take a knee. Take a knee. Now look at the first statement in verse 7 that says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Now, I'm placing the emphasis on the word submit because if you'll get your thesaurus out and you'll just look up some synonyms for the word uh, submit, here are some of the synonyms that go along with the word submit. For instance, the word surrender, the word cave, the word yield, the word concede or bow or commit or relinquish. Now, let's read it like this. Look at verse 7. Submit, surrender, cave, Yield, conceive, bow, commit, relinquish yourself, therefore, to God. In other words, what this, ver this statement is saying to us is this. Hey, let's place ourselves under the authority of God. Let's give ourselves completely over to Him. Let me say it like this. Put it in terminology where you get it. Give God the steering wheel of your life. Give God the steering wheel of your life. Now, I know what probably some of you are thinking this morning, but preacher, if I do that, if I just come to this morning and I just say, God, okay, lock, stock, and barrel, I'm giving myself to you. I am submitting, I'm conceding, I'm yielding, I'm surrendering, I'm relinquishing myself over to you completely this morning. Preacher, you didn't realize how that's going to mess my life up? Can I ask you a question? Isn't your life pretty much a mess already? I mean, think about this. Isn't your life already pretty messed up? I mean, trying to do things your way? Hey, haven't you hit too many potholes with the wheel in your hand? Haven't you been down too many dead-end streets with you driving your life? Haven't you wasted enough gas with you driving? Hey, why don't you come this morning, first Sunday of a brand new year, take the wheel of your life and say, God, from now on, you drive. That's what that statement means. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Why don't you just this morning 
decide, I'm going to take a knee. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to bow. I'm going to concede. I'm going to relinquish. I'm going to cave to God this morning. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating. And if you haven't never written this statement down, you need to write it down and put the date, January 5th, 2020, right out beside of it, and it goes like this. When you, listen to me, when you give God your heart, that, gives you, that gets you into heaven. But when you give God your life, that gets heaven into you. How many of you want to go to heaven in a little bit of heaven? Amen. How many of you want to go to heaven and be happy about it? I'm telling you, not too many of y'all look very happy about it this morning. I, we just sang a moment ago, I've got a mansion just over the hill. Most of us sing that. I mean, we're going, but we don't seem too happy about it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, give your life to God, that gets heaven down into you. If you're going to turn your, your flop into a flip this year, you're going to have to take a knee to God, bow and concede to God. You talk, you talk about starting the new year off right. Let 500 people walk down the aisle this morning, hit the altar and say, God, I am giving myself to you. You talk about revival coming to the house of God. God, here is my life. God, I have made a mess out of it. My choices, my decisions, my plans have turned me into somebody I never dreamed I would be. So, Lord, on this first Sunday morning of this brand new year, God, I'm give out, so I'm giving up, and I'm giving in to you. I've tried everything else. It's gotten me to nowhere but into this mess. So, God, I'm submitting myself to you. Or as my point said, God, I'm taking a knee to you. Hey, you want to turn your flip, your flop into a flip this year? You want to do better this year? Start off right. How? By giving your life to God. I'm not talking about giving your heart. You did that when you got saved. Am I right? When you get saved, you give God your heart. You invite Jesus into your heart. You receive Him as the Savior of your life. But I'm telling you, we never take it to that next level where we say, okay, God, I've given you my heart, but now, God, I'm giving you my life. Hey, why don't you this year start off by taking a knee? But now let's take it a step further. Look again at verse number 7, and let's look at a second thing. Not only if you're going to turn your flop into a flip, do you need to take a knee, but number two, look up on the screens, you need to throw a punch. Throw a punch. You say, what do you mean? Look again at verse 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the very next thing that James tells us to do is to, is, to, is to resist or fight, or I'm using it in my points, as throw a punch back at the devil. Now, I don't think it's coincidental or accidental that right after James says, submit yourself to God, that he starts talking about the devil. Do you? Because I think the devil realizes something that many of us never realize, and that's this. Boy, nothing but good things happens to people who give their lives to the Lord. Nothing but good things happens to people that gives their lives to the Lord. You know, I think the devil... Listen to this. If you walk down this aisle this morning and get on this altar and say, God, here's the steering wheel of my life. God, here's the range. You drive, I'll just ride. God, you're no longer the co-pilot. You're the pilot. 
God, I am going to follow you this year. I am giving myself to you. You know what I think the devil will say if you walk down the aisle and do that this morning? I think the devil will say this. Hell help us. All heaven's about to break loose. That's what I think he'll say. If enough of us walk down this aisle this morning during this invitation and say, God, here I am, lock, stock, and barrel, not much, have nothing to offer, but I'm giving myself to you, the devil's going to say, hell help us, all heaven's about to break loose in that church right there. You see, the truth of the matter is the devil fights against us. That's the reason I think in the very next statement, right after submission, he starts talking about the devil, is because James knows the devil's going to fight us giving ourselves to God. In just a few moments, I'm going to give an invitation. And when I do so, I pray that God is speaking to people in this service this morning. And God, the Holy Spirit, is going to speak to your heart. And He's going to say, you know something? You need to do what that preacher said this morning. You've tried it on your own long enough. Why don't you walk down that aisle and give your life over to God this morning? And the devil's going to jump right here on your shoulder and give you the top ten reasons why you should not do that this morning. He fights against us. That's the reason we're told in verse 7, resist him, throw a punch back at him. Amen. Hit back at him. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. He'll keep you in that flop condition. He don't want you to flip. He don't want you to become prosperous in God's sight, spiritually speaking. So he is going to fight against you. And by the way, he studied your game film. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your failures. He knows your, ba your, your baggage. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. And he'll use your failure. He'll use your baggage. He'll use your defeats. He'll use your past in your life to keep you in that flop condition, to keep you from becoming something for God. But here we're told, resist him. Hit back. Can I ask you something this morning? Hadn't the devil been taking it to you for too long? When are you going to say enough is enough? When are you going to say I've had enough of this? And when are you going to fight back and take back control over your own life? Instead of letting him call the shots and leading you down dead-end streets after dead-end streets, when are you going to come to your senses? Hey, wake up, stop making excuses, and realize there's a God that can give you victory, and God can help you this morning. I heard about this old football coach. He was a college football coach, and he had a boy that graduated. And he was hoping to play in the pros, but he didn't get drafted, and he's kind of a little bit discouraged. So the coach asked him to stay on and to be one of the assistant coaches in the college that he played in. And he agreed to do that. In fact, he was excited about it. And the coach said, I'd like for you to go out and recruit some ball players for us. He said, okay, coach, what kind of players are we looking for? And the coach said, well, you know, he said... Uh, there's that kind of player that gets hit and he gets knocked down and he stayed down, stays down. Coach said, that boy said, Coach, we don't want that kind of player. He said, no, sir. He said, then there's that kind of boy that gets hit and he gets knocked down and he gets back up. And he gets hit and he gets knocked down and he stays down. He said, we don't want that kind of player, do we, Coach? He said, no, sir. He said, then there's that, that player that gets hit, he gets knocked down, he gets back up, he gets hit, he gets knocked down, he gets back up, he gets hit, he gets knocked down. And every time he gets hit, gets knocked down, he gets back up. He said, that's the kind of player we want to coach. He said, no, sir, we want that boy that's doing all that knocking down. That's that player that we, kind of player we want to play ball for us here. How many of us, the devil's been knocking us down, knocking us down, knocking us down, 
and knocking us down. And finally, we have just give up and give in and said, okay, evidently, this is the way that my life is going to be. Don't you think it's time to take a swing back? Don't you think it's time to throw a punch? Hey, I find it interesting. When it comes to fornication, the Bible said, this flee fornication. But when it comes to the devil, the Bible said, fight against the devil. I'm no match for him, but i got a big brother whose name is Jesus. And in his authority and in his power and in the name of his dear shed blood, I can throw a punch back once in a while. I can hit back. Haven't you been in bondage long enough? Haven't you, hasn't your life been a mess long enough? Why don't you take a knee? Why don't you throw a punch? But then number three, James moves on. Look again at verse eight. So we take a knee. Say it with me. Number one, take a knee. All right, let's try it. Ready? Number one. Number two. Number three. Look up on the screens. Touch a hand. Now what am I talking about? Well, look at verse eight. The Bible said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Now there is both a principle and a promise in that statement. The principle is we get close to God. The promise is God will get close to us. You know, it's staggering to think about it, but you know, you and I have the ability. We have the, 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 the great ability that you and I can actually get close to God. Isn't that amazing? Notice those two words there, verse 8, draw nigh. Those are priestly words. And what James is telling us is just like those Old Testament priests came into the presence of God, you and I have that same blessed privilege in, as New Testament people to draw into the presence of God. Now, understand this. In the Old Testament, not just anybody could go into God's presence. You had to be born of the tribe of Levi. You had to come from a particular family of the tribe of Levi. Not just anybody could just walk in there, man, and eat the showbread and smell the incense. And, and uh, man, not, anybody, not just anybody could go behind the curtain and see God and fellowship with God. You had to be born of a particular tribe, of a particular family. Not just anybody could do that. But in this New Testament time, aren't you glad that God just simply says to you and me, anybody come on back now. In fact, there's a verse over in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6 that says this, that God has made us, read it with me, God has made us kings and, what's the next word? Kings and, kings and, God has given you and I the blessed ability to walk right into his precious presence and take his hand. You remember when Jesus died on the cross, one of the great miracles that took place that day was the earth quaked and, and the sun was blackened. But remember in the temple when Jesus cried, It is finished! The Bible said that that old curtain, it was called a veil. It was about as thick as a man's hand. Josephus said it took 600 priests to hang that thing in that temple. It was so thick. I mean, man, it was so heavy. It took all those men to hang. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said from the top to the bottom, that old thing rent open for, for centuries that curtain had stood there and God was saying no trespassing stay out stay away but when Jesus died on Calvary God no longer says to you and me stay out stay away no trespassing God said come on in sit out let's talk a while that's the reason we read over in Hebrews 4 that we can come boldly, verse 16, to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help. We can touch God's hand. Hey, we can get close to God if we want to. 
Yes, sir. We can walk right into God's presence. Look at this verse right here. This is a good verse. Ephesians 2.13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus. It's all because of Christ Jesus. Ye who sometimes were, say it with me, afar. There was a time I was way away from God. There was a time I was far off from God. But now because of Jesus and now because of the shed blood of the Son of God, I can walk right into the very presence of God and draw into His presence and touch God's hand. And so can you. We can touch a hand. Look at this verse right here. Boy, it's a good one. Psalms 145. 18, the Lord is nigh, He's near unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him. God wants to be near you. God wants to be close to you. God wants you and Him to walk down the road hand in hand. God wants to be so close that you can feel His very presence in your life. But that's a choice we've got to make. Because as we take a knee and throw a punch... We can touch a hand, and it'll turn our flop into a flip. But now here, here's where the rub comes in. Say it with me. Number one is what? Number two. Number three. Now here's where the rub comes in. Number four. Try a bath. Try a bath. Now what are you talking about? Well, look at verse number Verse number 8, cleanse your hands. Uh-oh, cleanse. Now, when I was young, I didn't like to take baths. And now that I'm old, I still don't like to take baths. That's why you can smell me before you see me. I want you to know I'm coming. No, I'm kidding. But he says here in verse number 8, cleanse. Now we got the idea of a bath. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify. There's another bath word. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. Now, if you look there in that text, he's mentioning two types of sins. Sins of the hands and sins of the heart. Sins of the hands, let me call them the outward sins. Sins of the heart, let me call those the inward sins. Or maybe, let me say it like this. Sins of the hands, that's action sins. Sins of the heart, that's attitude sins. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to turn our flop into a flip, we're going to have to deal with our sins. We're going to have to be willing to take a bath. Now, I've got to tell you something. Most of us in here don't struggle with those hand sins. I said most. Some of us do. Some of us still struggle with those sins of actions, sins of those outward sins. There's people in here that struggle with alcohol and drugs and pornography and immorality and gambling. People still struggle. By the way, can I stop and say this? If you're a child of God, you know better than that. Hey, quit making excuses. Hey, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit thinking that this is all that there is to your life and get on this altar and confess it to God and let God give you a good bath this morning. I'll tell you this, listen, you hear me and hear me well, there's not one scarlet-colored sin that one of us have in our lives today that the precious red blood of the Son of God can't wash and make white like snow. He'd do it. You've got to be willing. Take a bath. 
Try a bath. But you know what the problem with most of us in here is? Attitude sins. Don't look down. We ain't praying. It is sins of the heart. Attitude. You know, here's where a lot of us mess up, you know, but we get old bad attitudes about us. You ever had a bad attitude? I'm not talking about your wife. You ever had a bad attitude? You ever had a bad attitude? Well, I tell you what, it's like I've said before, it's not our position, our disposition is what gets most of us. Oh, bad attitude, sorry, critical, cynical, negative, against everything, hate everybody, hate everything, kind of an attitude, can't get along with nobody. I'm telling you something, friend, if we're going to turn our flop into a flip, we're going to have to deal with those sins of, of attitude this morning. Watch this. I, I, here's where most of us mess up. We don't, we're not involved in the hand sins. So we get really hard on the hand sins, and we develop heart sins. Am I right about that? I mean, we get so negative and critical and down on those with hand sins, action sins. I mean, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're involved here, they're going there, they're, they're, they're doing this. And we think to ourselves, man, I'm telling you, those people, what is wrong? But we get that old hypercritical attitude about us. Like we're the only ones right. We're the only ones that's perfect. We're the only, and I'm telling you, look at me, we're just as bad off as they are. You're welcome. Attitude sins. Ah. I'll tell you, ain't nobody's living holy as I am. Who are you kidding, friend? Ain't nobody as good as I am. Are you kidding me? We're all in a mess. Ain't a one of us in here be worth the gunpowder it'd take to blow us up. I mean, we're all, let's just face it. No, I'm not smoking weed. Thank God for that. No, I'm not drinking alcohol. Thank God for that. But I tell you what, I still got my problems. And you do too, Bubba. Hey, be careful because we get so over the hand sins that we develop the heart sins. And you know what we need to do? We need to wiggle our way up here to this altar this morning and say, oh, God, I need a good bath. Lord, my life is such a mess. I'm so messed up. I need a bath. By the way, if you want to see what God thinks about it, look at verse 9. God said, we need to be serious about this. Look at verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning your joy to heaven. I don't think James is telling us not to have fun at church. I'm in church every day of my life, so if I don't have fun at church, I don't get to have fun nowhere. I don't think it's wrong to laugh when you come to church. Do you? Do you? Some of you look like we're at God's funeral this morning. I, don't th I think it's okay to smile and laugh and cut up and, and, you know, man, have a good time when you come to church. I believe it's okay. I don't think James is saying, man, when you walk into church, just act like, you know, shh, be still. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before he. Look, I'm telling you, man, if we can't have a good time at church, we're in a mess. Amen. But I do think what he's talking about in verse number 9 is our attitude toward our sin. Look again, verse 8. Cleanse your hands. Hey, try a bath. Be serious about it. Hey, let me tell you something. Too many of us have a flippant, nonchalant attitude toward our sin. 
Can I remind everybody in this room that our sin, whether it be hand or heart, nailed the Son of God to the cross of Calvary? It was our sin, my sin. It was not the sins of just the Romans or the Jews, but it was my wicked sins that put Jesus on the cross. And buddy, when I realized that, I ought to be afflicted and mourn and weep and let my laughter be turned to mourning and my joy to heaviness because my sins put the Son of God on the cross. Hey, hey, look up here. You may not have those big hand sins anymore. You may not struggle with those outward sins, but I'm here to tell you, it was our sin that put the Son of God on Calvary. We ought to try a bath. Number one. You ain't getting it. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. And number five. Look at verse 10. I'm done. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give an invitation here, and I'm going to invite people to come. And you know you flopped last year. Your life was one big capital, capital F flop. You didn't do anything. It was just a flop. And this year, maybe you say, man, I want to do something different. This year, I want to really make my life. Here's a way to do it. Humble yourself. Realize, I'm not talking to your wife. I'm not talking to that guy across the aisle. I'm not talking to your neighbor. I'm not talking to that person sitting ten rows behind you. Let's just be honest, man. We all need to make some changes in our lives. Every one of us. How do you do that? Man, just humble yourself. Swallow your pride and do it, man. Make some changes. Target that. A passion in your life. I'm going to humble myself. And the Bible, the promise is if we do that, the Lord shall lift us up. Now I'm done, but look this way. One of my favorite toys of all time, and they're still around, believe this or not, but one of my favorite toys when I was growing up was something called an Etch-A-Sketch. Bring back any memories? The red box looked like, a, looked like a TV screen, and the two knobs down here, like changing channels or whatever. But literally, there was a little, I don't know what that was on the inside, but it drew lines as you turned the knobs. I mean, you all know what I would talk about. And you t drew those knobs, and I got so good at it, I could even draw circles with that thing. Because if you turn them both at the same time, that little thing would make curves, and you could draw pictures with it. Now, I'm not as good as Buddy the Elf. <laughs> you know, with that picture of Mona Lisa. But I, 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 got, I got, you could see what I was drawing. You could tell what it was. But you ever notice when you're turning that thing and you mess up, all you got to do is pick it up and, and it clears the whole screen out. And you start all over again. Can I tell you what some of us need to do this morning? Get up here on the altar, take the etch-a-sketch of our life, and let God give us a fresh screen. 107 hours and four minutes into a brand new year and God hands you it back and says, okay, this is a better year. You're going to make it this year. Let's do better. Because number one, we do what? Tithe your income. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> And turn your flop 
into a flip. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray.